Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors. But as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% of the population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military. And the other 99% of us, we owe them. Online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephen Tubbs. Welcome to this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. It is our 4th of July program, and we're so glad you are with us. And hopefully you will honor and respect and celebrate the independence of still the greatest country on Earth. Coming up, we will have the majority of this program with a Colorado Springs-based, at least now, his name, Ben Sledge. He's coming out with a new book in just a couple of days, in fact. He'll join us from Colorado Springs for the remainder of the program. First, though, we will, uh, of course, take a look at the passing of the last living Medal of Honor recipient from World War II. We'll have that and details on a World War II wreck that was found near the Philippines just in the last couple of weeks. We couldn't do programs like this without our presenting sponsor, Attorney John Boson at Boson Law, B-O-E-S-E-N Law, BosonLaw.com. Fighting on behalf of veterans every single day. Their number, 303-999-9999. He was a hero on Iwo Jima, a flamethrower, and he saved so many lives. President Harry Truman would award Herschel Woody Williams with the Medal of Honor. Mr. Williams, rest in peace, passed just last week. When the Medal of Honor was presented to me, I really did not know what it was. Why was I selected to receive our nation's highest award when Marines right beside me didn't get home? I was born in Marion County, a little community, country community of Quiet Dell. My father died when I was 11. My mother was running a dairy farm in West Virginia, and there was no way I could possibly get an endorsement. So I came home. And I came home with the intentions of joining the United States Marine Corps to protect America. Because if we're going to go to war, I felt that war could take away our freedom and our privileges, and I was going to be a part of protecting that. 
Herschel Woody Williams was 98. He passed last week, once again, the last living Medal of Honor recipient from World War II. Because of our interview coming up the rest of the program, we promise and we we will deliver, and we owe it to Mr. Williams. Next week, much more. In fact, why don't we go ahead and dedicate the program to this Marine who saved so many lives and Semper Fi, sir, rest in peace. And also, within the last couple of weeks, big news on a very, very important wreck for historians that was found very deep in the ocean near the Philippines. Deep in the sea off the Philippines, a remarkable discovery. The wreckage of the USS Samuel B. Roberts, the U.S. Navy destroyer that sank during World War II nearly 80 years ago, has been on the floor of the Western Pacific Ocean, over four miles deep. It's where a team of American and British explorers found the battered ship split in two, the gun mount and torpedo tubes still intact. They could even make out the hull number, 413. When a ship goes down in battle, it vanishes into the black of the ocean. But finding the wrecks, I think, does bring some level of peace and respect to those that fell in the battle. Nearly 100 United States Navy sailors died on board. We'll have much more coming up on our regular program this next week after the 4th of July holiday. And finally, let's get into now on this 4th of July edition, an amazing veteran that's coming up. We had a chance to talk with Benjamin Sledge, United States Army combat veteran, His book coming out in two days, Where Cowards Go to Die. He joined us from Colorado Springs. This a 10-year project, and he starts talking about a real explanation in his mind of what it was like to be in combat in Iraq and Afghanistan. So my grandmother, uh, my maternal grandmother, she has traced our family lineage as far as military service back as far as a general who was under Napoleon. Uh, And then from there, we've just kind of been in every major conflict to some degree. The ones that I know of is Civil War. We fought on both the uh, Confederate and the Union side. So we're probably fighting each other at some point, depending on, you know, which side of my family was there. Uh, My grandfather was a paratrooper in World War II. Um, My great grandfather, he served in World War I. My paternal grandfather was stateside uh, in World War II at Fort Bliss, but my great uncle, his his brother, stormed the beaches in the Pacific. Um, both my uncles were in the Army during the Vietnam era, and then uh, it skipped my dad, who tried to enlist, but he had asthma during the, the Vietnam conflict. And then my brother and I both enlisted, and my brother was a combat medic, so... We have this kind of joke, like, in the military, it just runs in the blood. And you look at, like, Patton's kids, and it's the same thing. So everyone's like, are your kids going to join? I'm like, I don't know, but it's in their blood. Mm-hmm. So it that just kind of became the thing. And I came from a, uh, a lower-middle-class family, and both my parents had gone to college, but they didn't have the money to, to send me. So they're like, hey, you're going to college. I'm like, great. How are we paying for that? They're like, figure it out. And I'm like, well, I guess – I guess I'm doing the military. And so in 1999, like the Prince song, I I held my hand up and swore an oath to uh, uphold the Constitution of the United States. And then September 11th happened, and things just got wacky after that. Yeah. Uh, ben Sledge is his name. He is our guest. Uh, his book comes out later this week. In fact, tomorrow with the 4th of July, Independence Day holiday. Uh, the book, Where Cowards Go to Die, will give you all of the information as to how 
how you can get this book, and uh, obviously a piece of Ben is, or a huge chunk, is in is in this book. So how old are you when you get in in 99 and, and kind of take us through to that 9-11? And I've talked with so many veterans like you where it's just like, man, all of a sudden it's on. Yeah, that's really what happened. So 1999 was, you know, Bill Clinton military. There, It was peacetime army. It was very much like the Bill Murray movie Stripes. You know, we're all goofing <laughs> off and having barbecues and like, you know, you're camping out in the field. It's like a big camping expedition. It's fine. It's fine. Um, and then I remember I was waking up very hungover um, in my fraternity brother's place. And uh, we, my mom calls me and says, hey, you know, turn on the news. It's, it's super early. And I'm, you know, I'm like, mom, leave me alone. And anyways, I, I climb out of bed and turn on this TV and I'm like, what's the big deal? You know, like looks like a, a plane flew into the World Trade Center in New York. And as I say that, I watch the second plane hit the towers and just this bright orange explosion appears. And I just let the the phone drop from my face and just begin screaming for everybody to wake up and, you know, turn on the news. And um, by September 25th, I was on a a plane to Fort Bragg, North Carolina to finish out my training. And then after that, I went to language school at Defense Language Institute. So that took some time period. And then my unit ended up getting deployed to Iraq for the initial invasion. So I knew long before any, you know, the public did that we were going into Iraq and I had just gotten back from language school and I was like, oh man, it's, it's just a matter of time. And sure enough, uh, you know, it, it really was three months after I got home from language school. I got the call and they're like, hey, you're going overseas. And I was like, great, Iraq, right? And they're like, no, Afghanistan. And uh, and from that point on, man, it was just on. And it was just war, preparing for war, training for war, or going to war. The book is Where Cowards Go to Die. We'll wrap up our first segment with Ben Sledge. He joins us via Zoom from Colorado Springs here on the program. When we come back, we'll pick up right where Ben left off and he steps foot in Afghanistan. Uh, I wonder what that was like. We've heard from so many of you veterans and we will talk with Ben about those feelings. Again, the book, Where Cowards Go to Die. This is our 4th of July edition of the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Now, back to The American Veteran Show. Here's Stephan Tubbs. We continue this 4th of July edition of The American Veteran Show with a terrific guest. And hopefully because he's just as we speak, about an hour south of where we are, we can someday meet. Ben Sledge is his name and Where Cowards Go to Die is his new book out by our sister company, Regnery Publishing. And Ben, when we last uh, you know, went to our break, you're telling us, well, you get the word and you're on, on a, by the end of September of 2001, you're, you're getting orders. You assumed, I would imagine, it was Iraq and you heard Afghanistan. Talk about that. Yeah, so we had just invaded Iraq, and uh, and I thought, okay, this is where you know the U.S. Eye of Sauron is going to focus, <laughs> and uh, and instead, you know, there, we we forgot we forgot about September 11th, and by 2003, and um, you know, Iraq's new and shiny, but there is still very much a war going on in Afghanistan that people had largely, you know, forgotten about from 2003, kind of up until I would say almost like we left Iraq. 
And uh, so I get out there, and and I'm scared. You gotta you gotta remind yourself. I'm just 21 at the time. Um, I joined, like I said, I joined the military. I was 18 for college money. Didn't think that I was gonna get deployed. And um, you know, when the call comes in, I'm like, man, I don't know how to tell my parents. I don't know what to do. Uh, and and I'm afraid. I really am. And I, and I think that's that's the thing that that's missing out of a lot a lot of our conversations is is in the military, we kind of put forth this bravado oftentimes where we kind of shirk that fear. And uh, I actually, um, and I talk about this in the book, I tried to stay behind in Kandahar um, where I could work like a menial desk job. Um, and the, the team that I was a part of, uh, the team sergeant there, his name's Paul Gonzo Gonzalez. He's in the, uh, he's in the book. Uh, he really just kind of took me under his wing and he sat me down Next, uh, there used to be all this wreckage of structure um, out near Kandahar before we, we went off to the border. And uh, they would have soldiers go in this one place. We called it Thunderdome, and they would just beat the crap out of each other in there. And uh, so he sits me next to Thunderdome and says, hey, man, I, I heard that you asked to stay behind. And, you know, I couldn't even look at him. And instead of, like, the gruff sergeant that I know, and he's, like, definitely kind of one of those John Wayne characters. He just has ice in his veins. And he's he's one of my closest friends still to this day, um, still serving, too. He uh, he just looks at me, and uh, he says, Hollywood, because that was my call sign, because I was an immature moron. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he, he says, Hollywood, he said, we're all afraid. And he said, and that's okay. He said, but our team needs you. And he said, tomorrow we're going to get on that bird and we're all going to be afraid together, but we're all going to come home together. And he just takes on this real father figure role with hmm. me. And I was like, okay. And so, man, we get out to the border and I'm on the border with Pakistan, a place called Oregon. And then I was also in another place called Shkin. Um, it's kind of near the area where Pat Tillman got killed. Uh, so he, um, uh, what I discovered there is that I'm actually good and at combat and I, I like it. There's this simplicity. There's this mission. And we're just getting shelled nonstop because for all the talk of the Army being tactical, they tend to put bases in, like, the dumbest places. So we're between Amen. two mountain ranges. <laughs> yeah, we, we're between two mountain ranges where they, the Taliban and al-Qaeda can literally just shell the crap out of us. And, uh, and man, it was, it was hard. It was hard living through those experiences and, you know, the firefights. And, and this is – you know, still when all the the super secret groups are out there. So you have you have a combat applications group, CAG, more commonly known as Delta Force. It's out there. You have the the task force with like um, combined like joint special operations guys. Then you have your regular infantry guys, and then you have um, you know that the local Afghans working on base. And it just it was it was a totally humbling and different experience. And you're so also, young. You're so yeah. young. Yeah. And uh, it really messed with the way that I viewed humanity and life, though, too, because, you know, is, I grew up in that leave it to beaver lifestyle where everything was good. And my, I had a loving dad and mom and family that cared. And all of a sudden I'm surrounded by death and destruction. And I start to wonder, you know, what is my what is the purpose of humans? We seem really good at killing each other. And uh, and that really begins to mess with me. And friends start to die and I start to harden and um, and I kind of become this monster almost of my own creating. And then, um, you know, on December 10th, 2003, we start getting hit with a complex attack. If you've ever seen the, the documentary Restrepo, we kind of lived in that environment where we had bunkers everywhere just because they would just shell us. And um, 
Uh, now, what, 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 you, you probably know of the of the uh, cop Keating and that disaster. I mean, where were you? Kind of kind of give us obviously not to the detail that, you know, but give somebody again. Ben Sledge is our guest. His book, Where Cowards Go to Die. You know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I Medal of Honor recipients from the disaster at Cop Keating. And and, you know, this is what you're living. I mean, my goodness. Mm hmm. Yeah, so it's it's very similar to that. If you've seen, uh, I believe it was The Outpost, right? Was the the movie? Yeah. So um, you you think about like all those mountains, and they they weren't as close, like as portrayed in that movie. But you know, the, they're right there. Uh, you're sitting ducks, many of you. Yeah, consistently. And, <laughs> and they, you got to remember, the Mujahideen have been fighting since the Soviets uh, had invaded. So they they have escape routes, tunnels. I mean, we would repel into tunnels during this time period. You know, with just like a sidearm, which is when I think about that now, I'm like, that was dumb. I felt like one of the tunnel rats in Vietnam. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, you know, December 10th, 2003, uh, we get hit with this major complex attack and I get wounded in action and my friend's bleeding out. And it's just and that ends my tour of duty. And uh, but I couldn't leave my guys. So I requested to stay behind in Kandahar um, and I have a cast on and I'm answering radios and, and just, I finish out my tour that way. It was really bizarre, um, to kind of finish that, uh, where I'm just all messed up. And it, it it's funny because Kandahar was a kind of the safe environment, which people knew about. And so I would get stopped all the time and, and, you know, people would be like, oh, you're playing a game of grab ass or whatever. And I was like, yeah, with rockets. And they're mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. OK, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Our guest is uh, Ben Sledge, Bronze Star, Purple Heart recipient as well. Uh, decorated Iraq and Afghanistan veteran. Before we um, we go to the break and then I want to get more into as we get. And I, of course, I could I could take uh, the next six hours and probably still have questions with you. But um, I want to fast forward to something because you were on the ground there. Uh, we are still a little less than a year away, and um, unbelievably, it's almost the year anniversary of the debacle with the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Just, I don't know, high level, low level, fine detail. What is your thoughts about uh, how we left? So, uh, I, I mean, a lot of people have asked me that question, and um, that was a really hard time for us, which is weird because in 2015, you know, you had the, the fall of Ramadi and, and most of Iraq to ISIS. Uh, and that didn't really mess with me, um, but Afghanistan really did. Uh, like the way that we pulled out, and I remember when it, just watching it, watching the withdrawal, and I'm up at all hours. Uh, and me and my friends who had served over there are, are calling each other, we're texting each other. And finally, I'm up, it's probably like one, three in the morning or something. You know, I can't sleep. Um, and I, I used to, when I lived in Texas, where it was my last duty station at, uh, I would have dinner every Sunday night with a buddy of mine who um, flew for the Air Force in Vietnam. So he's a Vietnam veteran. And I just, I texted him. And all I said, all I said was, now I know how you feel. And uh, he said, you do, and I'm so angry for you. And so that that was really hard to watch. And, you know, some of it, is obviously the Afghans' fault, given that, you know, we gave them 20 years. You give, we give our children 18 years. We gave them two extra years. They should have, they should have learned how to fight at that point. But man, just the way that we handled it, it was just an international embarrassment. Um, but I, I think one of the biggest problems that I'm seeing now is, even though I had a very difficult time dealing with that and and did some counseling around it, um, 
one of the things that I've seen is we have let that moment define who we are as people and the rest of our lives. And, you know, the av- we're averaging 17.5 suicides per day with veterans right now. And we can't, is it inexcusable the way that everything went down? Sure. But that doesn't have to define like the rest of our lives. We can learn and we can grow from that. And there's so much that we learned in the military that we're not living out in our lives. Like one of the key things that I learned was the warrior ethos, never give up, never accept defeat, never accept, uh, never leave a fallen comrade behind. And yet when we take off that uniform, we've been okay with like leaving that ethos behind when we should be carrying it into career relationships, uh, everything that we do, our marriages. And, and I, uh, and, and for me, I think that that's the tough part. I don't want to be defined by something that was a failure. And instead I want us to grow out of that and say, okay, yeah, that was, that was a hard thing, but I survived that. And now I'm going to thrive after that. I will just say again, Ben Sledge, where cowards go to die, <laughs> men and women like Ben had nothing to do with how this country decided to leave that country. We've got to take a break when we come back. Uh, According to some of the publicity materials, uh, we are going to be brutally honest, and Ben is in his book. We will be brutally honest with him when we come back as we continue again, where cowards go to die. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stephan Tubbs. We continue our fascinating conversation with, uh, well, he's in Colorado now. He's young. He's tatted. He's fit. He might be going to Hollywood after this book, <laughs> Where Cowards Go to Die. And I'm so glad to uh, bring this to you, friends, ahead of the Independence Day holiday tomorrow. And uh, again, brother, we want to have you up in Denver, and I'd love to have you on the program where we can sit in the same studio. But your book uh, is based on something or some things that happened when you come back home, there is something still processing of, I've got more of a story to tell. What was that in a nutshell? The story to tell, let me begin this way. I didn't talk about war. When I got home from Afghanistan, I didn't want to become another one of those vets that shut down and like just didn't talk about it. So I started talking about it all the time. And there's something that happens in combat where, you know, you have traumatic instances, whether it's watching a friend die or, you know, for some people they, they have to shoot a woman or child um, or just the catastrophic toll of, of human suffering. And so just like first responders, we develop kind of this gallows humor and it's it's a protection method that your your body and your mind does. And so I, I was just one of those vets. I, ne- I never talked about it. And um, one day um I'm, I'm at a coffee shop with my buddy andrew and he he just looks at me and he goes ben i know you served in both wars i've seen all the medals on your wall he said aside from that i know nothing about you and those years that you were spent most of your life he said you never talk about it and that was a big reason why is you know i was afraid of of looking being looked at like this moral monster and um, I, Did you I know you weren't write... alone, though, Ben? Did you know that what you're feeling, that there quite possibly could be thousands and thousands of other people? I don't even know if that matters, but did it ever... Were you feeling in that moment that, gosh, I'm the only one that hasn't talked? Or would you know from other buddies that, you know, y'all were keeping this kind of secret? We all kept it secret. You know, we would, we would all get around each other and be totally comfortable talking about it, you know? Um and so I ended up writing an article for Medium. This is like when I started getting my start as a, a writer. 
and uh, developing a platform there. And I had written about other topics and I was like, you know, I need to write about Memorial Day and the cost that's associated with our soldiers' health and sanity with the wars continuing on. And it just, it, it went viral. The, the article was called uh, The Conversation We Refuse to ba- Have About War and Our Veterans. And like, it got picked up by a, a ton of different publications. And I was like, oh man, I hit a nerve. And so my editor at Medium, her name's Steph, um, she contact, or I contact her and I say, hey, what do you want me to write about next? And she said, oh, we really love your war stuff. And I'm like, this is weird. This is kind of more of a left-leaning publication. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to talk about this. That was just a one-off. And she got, she literally tells me this. And she's in the acknowledgments of my book because I never would have written the book without her. Uh, she goes, that's a travesty. And I was like, what? You know, I'm like, you can't talk to me like that kind of thing. Um, and she goes, you're the smallest minority. And, and she's in, you know, she's a black woman. Uh, and she goes, you're Ooh. the smallest minority in the United States. But it's true. And she, yeah. Yeah. And she goes, we are losing all these stories that we need to hear about the complexity, the humanity, the barbarity, the things that we don't understand as the American populace, because you guys won't talk about it and stay silent. And she goes, that's a travesty and we need your stories. And I was like, oh, dang, I just got, you know, gut punched. And so I began to write. And the more that I wrote about it, the more that people picked up and they said, okay, this guy's got somewhat of a voice here where he's he's speaking the language that many of us are thinking but haven't been able to put into words. The book is Where Cowards Go to Die. It is out this coming week. And we are uh, just so happy to have for the entire American Veteran Show our, our new friend of the program, Ben Sledge. He joins us from Colorado Springs. And Where Cowards Go to Die is available coming up on Tuesday from Regnery Publishing, our sister company underneath the Salem Media umbrella. Um, I said we were going to get a little tougher, and you have told me, and you, you know what I'm not going to ask you. We talked about that <laughs> off the air, but uh, let me tell you, did you come back? Are you still mentally wounded? Uh, yeah, so it's tough. You know, I've done, I've done a lot of healing. I've done a lot of growth. But one of the ways that I conclude the book is um, I send a text message to the guys I fought in Ramadi with, you know. And I, I was having this problem, and I said, hey, do you guys still think about war? And one of my teammates, a guy named uh, Casey Wagner, he's he's a detective now with Oklahoma City Police Department. He, you know, while we were in Iraq, I mean, dude, super smart, has a master's degree, uh, worked at like a science museum. And then for, <clears throat> for his free time while we're overseas, he's reading like string theory, like books on string theory. He's that guy. <clears throat> very smart, very analytical. He thinks that the mil- even though he's serving in the military, he thinks it's kind of stupid and silly. <laughs> you know, mm. he's just one of those guys, deep thinker, and who seems to nothing ever seems to get under his skin. But he he just texted me back and he said, "I swore I would never be this guy. I still think about it every day." And uh, he said, "You know, I- I've been in some nasty stuff with the the police department." He said, "But nothing compares to the level of absolute devotion and insanity that we all went through together." And he said, "And and I think a lot about that." You know, I conclude my book that most days I still think about Iraq and Afghanistan. I think about war, and sometimes it's uh, it's it's good, and other times it's bad. And so I have continued to do work around that. Um, I've done EMDR therapy, which I have found extremely beneficial. Yeah. I've done, um, you know, twelve step stuff, not for for drugs or alcohol, but just for my own. I just hated myself um, because of what I. I had done overseas. And so I, I had to work around that. Uh, there was just, there was a lot, um, but I chose and I continue to choose to work towards growing stronger and model that to my friends and especially my children. But are there, are there wounds there that I don't think will, will fully heal? 
yes, it's just there. It's it's a leftover scar. Was the as we wrap up this uh, second to last segment on the American Veteran Show again? Ben Sledge, "Where Cowards Go to Die," is his new book coming out next week. Um, were you given uh, Were you given enough assistance? Uh, were the programs there uh, in your transition from military to civilian? No, um, <clears throat> no. I mean, <laughs> I mean. There's a reason that the VA has the reputation that it does. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. And the military is like, well, you're getting out, bye, kind of kind of mindset. But I, I think, so, so here's the problem. Um, we, we currently have 50,000 nonprofits helping veterans. We've spent 92 billion since uh, 2012 helping veterans. And yet, there's still this issue. Way too many what nonprofits, I, I think. Way too. Yeah. God, God bless them. But come on, some of you are replicating. Some of you aren't doing anything. Let's let's focus. <laughs> right. And uh, you know, I worked in the nonprofit land for ten years because I wanted to to impact you know people and who are struggling through, through all that. But the thing I discovered is we don't need more help. We need better help. Um, we need more consistency, and we need programs and situations and environments that help us thrive. And the, the total misconception that we've had is that veterans can only help veterans. And that's just simply not true because the, the people who helped me readjust to come home and help me come home mentally from war were two civilians who just really took an interest in my life. And they were vulnerable enough to begin sharing about their own struggles in their life. Now, the, the problem that we do with veterans is so often we'll be like, okay, they've gone through something traumatic tell me about that traumatic incident. And I'm like, that's totally inappropriate. Like, how would you feel if I'm, I just met you and I'm like, tell me about the deepest, darkest moment of your 100%. life, you know? Yep. And yet that's what we, and then we go like, why do these veterans not open up? And instead I had these two guys who just began to share about, um, and, and suffering is is a language we all speak. It's it's the, the human condition. And because of that, while our suffering may not be the same, we can still identify our keynote points uh, in our life to where we've gone through hardship and emerged stronger or gotten the help that we need or had other people help us through those time periods. And that's, they just begin to open up about their life. And one of my buddies, he had lost his parents back to back within the span of like three months. Uh, his marriage was crumbling. He, he was in a just really dark spot. And he's like, I'm in counseling. And at the time I was like, counseling is for wieners, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, I was so shocked that he would tell me this and he, he just him opening up. I just slowly began to open up about what I was going through. And then they just, man, they just really poured into me in a way that made me feel loved and cared for. And uh, with time, I came I came home mentally for more. And we know so many stories, I'm sure, between the two of us of people that came home. And, and sadly, they're no longer with us because they took their own lives. We're going to take our final break on the American Veterans Show, our 4th of July edition, and come back. I want to ask Ben what the 4th of July means to him. And not only that, but... Memorial Day, Veterans Day. Uh, we all like the time off, but I've said it's more than barbecues and beer and beaches. And we've got a great opportunity with our new friend of the program, Ben Sledge from Colorado Springs, where he's joining us. His book, Where Cowards Go to Die, will wrap up the program next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephen Tubbs. We complete our final segment this 4th of July edition with our friend, 
Where Cowards Go to Die, author Ben Sledge. She's joining us from Colorado Springs. Again, I say next time uh, you're going to drive up, or maybe we meet in like Monument or, or Castle Rock, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the middle of the ground. But I'm I, totally I, game for that. that that'd be yeah. awesome. How come you're in Colorado Springs now? Because it sounds like obviously post-deployment uh, and all of that, you come back, transition, you were, you were not just here. The, the reason really was just I felt that, you know, I needed to, one, be helping veterans and the military and just felt like, especially as part of my own journey and faith journey, um, I wanted to do something that, that really mattered. And so I felt the call just to come out here. And, and honestly, it has been refreshing for my own well-being because I'm so close to the mountains. And some days, you know, I, I'm just if it's hard, I'm able to I'm 10 minutes from trailheads and I'm in the mountains and I'm lost. And it's and it's so good for me. I have talked with and I've been blessed to talk. Some of my best friends right now, hand to God, are 95 to 101 years old. Right. And these are the men from the greatest generation that are veterans and they're they're in the twilight of their lives. But they've talked about it. And I think, you know what, I don't say that you personally or even your generation of veteran that you owe me or your children or anything. But, you know, at the same time, I think you do. And here's why. Why? Because those stories should be known because you made such a great point earlier in the program. What, 0.86% during your generation yeah. of the population served in Iraq and Afghanistan. I think you owe us to go, yo, this is what some of us went through. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is why I wanted to tell the story that I did because it's it just wasn't told. It hasn't been told uh, with the accuracy right now. We've We've kind of turned it into this jingoistic nonsense where it becomes a, a talking point as opposed to like, hey, here's some shared humanity that we have in common, especially in a nation that's so divided. And we we ensured that for 20 years you could live your life any way that you wanted to and we weren't going to enact Amen. the draft. And we were just kind of background noise to you guys. And, and it cost us our sanity and it cost us our youth. Yeah. We are on the eve of the 4th of July. What especially that on July 5th, your book comes out in just a couple of days officially. Um, what what does this holiday mean to you now? You, you know, growing up, you, you'd always hear the, the adage, you know, freedom isn't free. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I'd buy into it. And now, man, like, I really realize it. Like the, the free, you think about what freedom always costs. Freedom always costs blood. There, there's no way that you can purchase freedom without somebody dying. Um, or, or dying in your stead. And the, the tough part about that is, is that for 20 years, we ensured that the American populace was aloof and immune to what we were, the situations and circumstances that we were dealing with overseas. We gave them that freedom, that freedom to just even be ignorant about- Barbecues, what, beer, all of that yeah. for, for whatever it was. Yeah, while you guys were over there. But here's the thing. I want them to enjoy that. that. That's the tough part. I'm not going to be one of those petty veterans that's like, oh, you guys are forgetting the point. I'm like, man, I want you to enjoy these freedoms. That's what we fought for. That, like, I'm not bitter about that. I'm just asking that you pause and remember. Just remember the astronomical cost that it takes. And then go back to like the barbecues, the beers, like toast are fallen. Like, remember that Amen. your freedom is purchased at such an intense and astronomical cost that you should pause. You should pause yeah. for a moment. Um, what did you What did you get out as? And um, did the family and marriage and all of that come post service? Yeah. So I got out as a staff sergeant. I had actually um, passed the board to pick up my E seven, my sergeant first class. But I had less than uh, a year remaining on my contract. They said, "Hey, 
do you want to reenlist? I was like, sure, I'll do like another three years. They said, no, 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 you're an indefinite reenlistment because you'll be a senior non-commissioned officer. I was like, dude, I can't reenlist for nine more years. Right. And they were talking about another Iraq deployment. And I was like, man, I've spent all my time before. I, I need to move on with my life. And so and so I got out. But um, while, while I was in the service, I was married. Um, unfortunately, she left while I was in Iraq. Um, mm. You know, and I never really... I was always gone. So we never really had time to work on a marriage. So I, I mean, I get it. Like, and I was, I was toxic at that time period too. I made the relationship about me, but um, I didn't meet my wife um, who, you know, we're, we're coming up on 11 years of marriage until 2011. Uh, and I had just left the service in December of 2010. So she had like no idea about my like life um, from war. And, and she really didn't until I wrote this book. Because wow. I just there were I couldn't talk about it. I, I just I was like, how do I describe how do I explain this? How can I get this down for her to understand? And so she said she'd never laughed and cried so hard at the same time. <laughs> so. Well, the book again, I can't wait to uh, have you on again and talk about the no doubt the book's success where cowards go to die. Benjamin Sledge. Uh, I'm sure it's gonna be on Amazon and, and hopefully wherever you buy books. But as we wrap up, um, I just wanna to talk some reality here, you know, uh, we, we've done so much work on this program over the years and probably for two decades. Between the two of us, I don't even want to ask um, how many men and women we probably know collectively that are no longer with us because they decided um, that the best option was to end their lives. And I think what you're doing with this book, the reality is, um, you know what, if you can impact that one person to go, you know, life is worth living and there are people out there that care. Um, I, I, I think that you would agree with that, but, um, what's your advice for somebody that, that, you know, maybe unlike you has felt like you, but they haven't made themselves as public as you. Right. So, well, let me say this to address the, you know, the, the suicide question and the feelings of loneliness and isolation and depression. Um, a lot of that comes because we list, we lose our, our mission and our purpose. Uh, it was so simple when we had it, we had the camaraderie and the brotherhood. Then you leave the military and you go to a job where your boss, you know, leaves you to catch proverbial. And doesn't, yeah. And doesn't care about your background. Yeah. They don't care about your, they're about profit. And then other people are trying to trample over you to get ahead. And in the military, it's the exact opposite, you know, leaders eat last and that's not emulated within inside the, the civilian populace. And so we feel alone, we feel isolated and, you notice that like veterans aren't, even though we're the most qualified with weapons, we're not the ones doing the mass shootings. You know, it's everybody who grew up playing video games who, you know, got to play fake war and don't understand the devastation and the cost and, you know, what those things can do. And so we turn the weapons on ourselves. And so, because we figure, well, if I take myself out of the situation, then I won't have to hurt and then I won't hurt other people. And to be honest, when I got back and I was going through my divorce and, you know, I'm a, a decade at war, you know, I got no job. Uh, I'm living on my friend's couch. I have no romantic interests. Uh, I was like, this is it. I'm going to take myself out of the equation. Um, and the thing that people don't realize, and this is really important, is that um, suicidal ideation in suicide is really a state of ambivalence. Part of you wants to live and part of you wants to die. And those are both very valid emotions. After all, the human nature is fight or flight. And so with suicidal ideation, it's both. And the reason people choose suicide is, isn't because they want to die. It's because we don't know how to alleviate our suffering. Were like, you close? I was, I was, you know, but here's, here's where my, my mind shifted that night. And so this is what I want to give the veteran hope with, um, because 
this is the the epiphany that hit me like a bolt of lightning. Um, I I literally sat there and you know I was thinking about oh you know all the people would cry at my funeral and everybody would be so sorry and my ex wife would finally realize how she'd screwed me over. Um, and the the thing was is okay I made it through Iraq and Afghanistan two wars I buried friends the person that I love most had left me and I was still alive. Bullets and bomb hadn't killed me and neither had the trauma. I was more grizzled, seasoned, and adjusted to fight through obstacles. Here was the defining point that I discovered. If I took myself out, I would give the insurgents and Al-Qaeda the win that they always wanted. And you didn't. Uh, nope. Dude, I just want to, I'm giving you, via our Zoom, I'm giving you a freaking fist bump, <laughs> a chest bump, even though you're bigger than I am. And uh, you know what? When we're in studio together at some point down the road, um, I bet you there's a little bit of ink on your body that has just something to do with just <laughs> not some crazy tequila-fueled night. I bet you no. there's some meeting in, in your ink as well. Brother, I, I mean, God bless you, man. I mean, this has been... Um, absolutely a pleasure and it's just so great that you're just so close and again friends of the book is uh, written by benjamin sledge uh we'll call him ben or sledge but where cowards go to die and give me this promise i know that the most obvious would be so ben where did the title of the book come from we'll do that in studio uh down right. the road i wish you and the family such a wonderful fourth of july and um and thank you brother for the sacrifice thank you i appreciate your support that wraps up this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. Happy 4th of July to you, and I hope you celebrate and remember why. Warts and all, this is still the best country on Earth. Happy 4th of July, everyone. For producer Michael Arpaio, Stefan Tubbs, we'll talk to you next week. And again, we'll dedicate the program to Herschel Woody Williams, who passed last week. Semper Fi, sir, and rest in peace. The American Veterans Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteransShow.com. Join us next week for another... Searching for last-minute gifts? Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC and save 20% on select 750-milliliter bottles. That's 20% off gifts for the hard to shop for. 20% off gifts guaranteed to fit. 20% off gifts to celebrate the season. And 20% off a little gift for yourself. Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC. In stores and online now through December 21st. Please sip responsibly.